I mean, somebody asked me about China, and I mentioned that China has a distinction. It's it's a uh, China is filled with blood. They kill kids, or they if you have more than one baby, maybe two, whatever. They will sterilize the woman. They'll kill the kids, whatever. I mean, China is known for this, you know. Uh, that's why, really, throughout history, China has always been. Uh, there's always been dictatorships in China, you know, and uh, been a tremendous amount of uh, unsettlement uh, and, and so on. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, you know, you have the same distinction with Japanese and so on. What the Japanese did to the Chinese in World War II was incredible. Nanking, they just, they killed people left and right. They raped the women. It was just beyond belief. And I don't think they still have apologized in terms of to, to what Japan did to, to China and so on. But there's something about the Far East that has a tremendous amount of you know, it's sort of like a uh, a, 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 a streak of cruelty in them. You know, just the way they treat people and so on. You know, uh, but anyway, look, everybody will get their what's called comeuppance, well, which is what I really want to speak about tonight. A uh, very interesting topic, which is very much uh, Nogea to what's happening today and so on, you know. <clears throat> and uh, it's it's a concept of evil. And what is evil's place in the world? So I wanted to speak about that. And uh, it will explain, in many ways, a lot of what's going on, the concept of evil. But uh, before I begin, I just want to say that this year, should be a merit for the health and success of the families of Regina Bas Yosef Ruhuvain and Yeshaya Ben Yisrael. Should go for the merit. Uh, in any case, the concept of evil is a very strange concept. You know, most people don't understand. They say, why is there evil in the world? You see. And, uh, well, what's good to know is what's, what's a good definition of evil? You know, everybody's got their own understanding of what evil is. But evil really is some type of an action that will detract or negate a being. It will interfere with the uh, progress uh, and the uh, uh, continuity of a being. That's what an evil is. So we generally look at evil as something which is harmful or or damaging. You see... And, you know, there are people who wonder, why, why is there evil, really? And the truth is that evil is a very important, uh, you know, concept. Because since evil exists, God wants man to reject evil. And if he rejects evil, then that gives him merit. Because God wants um, mankind to earn the future world. Well, in order to earn the future world, he wants them, right, to have some type of a merit. So therefore, God creates the concept of evil, you see. So therefore, man could reject evil and do good. And good means to enhance or to promote being, 
That's what it means to be good, you see. So God wants mankind to reject evil and to do good, to do acts which are beneficial and constructive to people, you see. And he wants them to reject evil, which means harming, uh, interfering, or damaging people, and so on, or their property, or whatever. <clears throat> so when a person rejects evil and does good, then he earns merit, schut, right? And if, as a result of that, that is counted to him as some type of a positive, you know, uh, experience, and he will merit the future world. That's why you have evil in order to allow man to earn good or merit. That's why you have evil. So in a certain sense, evil serves God's purpose. That it allows man, by rejecting evil, right, in order to get the future world, because he earned it. So a person has to earn or cause the future world that he receives. This is an inviolate law. And I once gave a whole shir about it. It's called Nahmadi Kisufa, the bread of shame, that a person has to earn his reward, create or cause his situation in Ilm for eternity, the future world. <clears throat> so therefore, that's why you have evil. So in that sense, evil is a very important feature of this world. Because without it, if there was no evil, right, then how would a person, he would have nothing to reject. If he has nothing to reject, then with what merit would he get the future world? So evil is the, uh, what's called the, in Hebrew, hechitimso. It is the instrumentality to get the future world. Without it, there's no future world. I mean, there could be, but there's no merit in the future world that you would have deserved because you rejected nothing. So that's really uh, the basic concept of evil, <clears throat> you see. And what that does, which is interesting, uh, is that this leads to certain repercussions. That in order to be what's called fair, right, then good or the ability to access good or the ability to access evil has to be equal, right? Because if one is more prefer preferable than the other, then, you know, one side could say, well, I didn't have a fair chance, you see. So therefore, uh, there has to be an equality here. And that is why it says, it says that by Shlomo Melech, This opposite the other, right, God made. And what Shlomo Melech is referring to, right, is good and evil. That God creates good and he creates evil and they have to be equal or there has to be an equal access to either side or else that will tip the scales in the favor of one side making it grossly unfair if that person inclines toward that side. You see? Uh, so it has to be fair. So therefore, they have to be equal. That's a very important idea. 
that good and evil always has to be equal. The availability of either one has to be equal. And God is always looking for that, you see. <clears throat> now, it could become in, unequal if man, let's say man is tremendously evil. So then he himself will tip the scales toward evil, but, that, but he did it. So therefore, it's not that God made evil easier to access. Man did that. You see, so that's not called an injustice because the preponderance of, e of evil is man's doing, and that's part of man's action, and so on. Uh, so this is what uh, Shlomo Melech says. Zel umazer, this, right, as opposed to the other, which means good as opposed to evil, right, Osulakim, God made. And that basically is a very important formula. There was evil and good both demand equal showtime, using that expression. They both demand that they can operate, you see? So if that's the case, if they both demand that they can operate in, a, in an equal manner, right? So therefore, God needs to create evil in the same degree as he creates good, not only that, so therefore that's number one. And he has to give mankind the capacity of earning evil or earning good. You, know, you have to have equal access to both. And obviously, if that's the case, then evil and good have to present to you the same opportunity. Because if, you, if there's an unequal opportunity of accessing one as opposed to the other, then obviously it's not fair, you see. Now, many times we don't understand. Sometimes it looks, well, it's much easier for me to be evil than it is to be good. But that itself is always the result of man's action. So even if a guy comes back, let's say, in a Gilgal, right, and, he's, and he has parents that are really crooks, and obviously he's going to learn that from them. So we would say, well, then his ability to access evil is much greater than good. Yeah, that's true, but not really. Because the reason why he was put in that family, because in a previous Gilgal, he exercised evil. So God says, you exercised evil, so therefore your next incarnation, you will be put in a family which is evil. And that's what they choose. And therefore, it's going to be harder for you to separate. Uh, so in the end, even though we don't understand because it's incredibly, infinitely complex, right? Uh, a person uh, is where he is because of his deeds, not because of the inequality of good and bad, you see. It's always a result of your, a person's actions, whether it be in this incarnation or previous incarnations. Everything is measured exactly. That's what it says in Azino. You know, Tzadik V'yosho, God is righteous, and he's straight, he's fair, ain't ovel, there's no injustice, uh, which means in the end, it will be revealed in the Messianic era, how everything conformed to the concept of justice, where everything is, is truly equal, and if you find yourself doing evil easier, it's because somehow you deserve that. 
you see, and everything will be uh, justified. Uh, in any case, that is the concept of good and evil, and they have to be equal, certainly initially, uh, and they have to be equal to your deeds, and so on. And like I said, that's what really Shlomo Melech says. Now, this concept where it has to be equal, you know, leads to some, you know, really very interesting ideas, you know, and so on. So, like I said, the first idea is that they have to be equal to provide a person identical access to good or evil so he can earn merit, right? See, okay. The second thing uh, is that evil therefore needs the capacity to do evil and you need opportunities to do evil. In other words, evil needs success. You know, if a guy wants to be bad, kill people, rob people, assault, and so on. Uh, he obviously has to be successful. If he's not successful, right, because evil, the ability to do evil is not the same as the ability to do good, then we're looking at a system which is out of balance, which is not fair, you see, and everything has to be fair. Uh, so that's a second very important concept that you have to have the capacity to do evil, and you have to have the the, the uh, opportunity, you see. Because like I said, remember, both evil and good demand equal showtime. They both demand that they can be successful. So that's therefore what the Rebbe does. So in a certain sense, you have to satisfy evil. If evil has that claim, right? You know, hey, I deserve to also be successful, because it has to be fair, like it says, in, uh, you know, in the Vishwamamalak. God made one in the exact opposite way as the other. Uh, so therefore, evil has a claim, just like good has a claim. So that's a very important idea. So these so far are certainly things which are, must happen because of the necessity that man has to earn his future world. Very important. So therefore, don't be surprised if you see tremendous success in people doing evil. How do they get away with this? Because evil has to have its ability, right, to dominate, to be successful. That is a very important idea. <clears throat> but as time goes on, you see, um, it's very important as we get closer and closer to the end what God provides is the concept of you know birur a birur means to clarify to uh, you know uh, select in that sense who is evil so evil itself demands a showtime a success but God, what he wants to do is if a person wants to do evil, he's going to create a climate in which evil can be done, where a person can actually be successful in doing the evil, because that's the requirement. They have to be equal in that sense. The availability has to be. So what God has to do in the end is allow people who want to practice evil to do evil, you see? So it's not surprising 
uh, in terms of the fact that we witness, in many ways, horrible things that men do to each other, mankind does to each other. So as we get closer to the end, and this explains a lot of what's going on, God is going to allow people who want to do evil, he's going to allow them the opportunity to do evil, you see? So what that does, it allows them to express themselves, you see, to actually practice their evil. So what happens is they actually expose themselves as evil people, because perhaps, you know, which is interesting, because we realize when people are allowed to do evil and God does not block them, you begin to realize how evil they are, you see. And you realize also that the reason why there is not evil, you see, is because God did not allow them to express the evil. But there comes a time when God says, okay, you're allowed to do it. Because he wants them to express themselves, to expose themselves, in order to punish them. So as we get closer to the end, we are going to have what's called a bureau. A bureau means, you know, a clarification of who is evil. And God allows that to happen by allowing them to succeed, which he does. And all of a sudden, you have these evil, rotten people, right? Horrendous people that all of a sudden find themselves not blocked, successful. And then all of a sudden, their full character comes out, you see. And therefore, God can punish them. This is a very important concept, <clears throat> you see. And this especially happens, Bureau happens, when we come to the end of some type of time period. You see, <clears throat> where God allows the evil to happen in order to allow evil people to expose themselves. You see, and that, that, and that in many ways is what happens. <clears throat> you see. So this concept of Bureau clarification is a very important phenomenon that God allows at the end. You know where you see some examples, you know? Uh, now, for instance, in Egypt, you know, people wonder why all of a sudden did God allow Paroi to make the decree of straw? You know, as the Jews, he said, were lazy. Moshe Rabbeinu said, God said, let my people go. And Paroi said, no way. Not only that, but they're going to have to gather straw at night and so on. Uh, so I had spoken about that, you know, why God allowed, because justice had to be satisfied, and so on. But part of the reason is what I'm saying. There had to be a bureau. Because since God was going to destroy Egypt, he had to prove, or in a certain sense, display, that Egypt, all of them, were evil. Um, you see, because imagine God is bringing the ten markets, right? Well, the ten plagues. Who is suffering from the ten plagues, right? It's Paroi, but it's really the people of Egypt. So they could say, wait a minute, we didn't do this. We're not denying the Jews from leaving. It's not us, it's Paroi. So why are we being punished? Because Egypt was destroyed, it's not Paroi. In fact, Paroi, you know, it says that uh, when the flood came, uh, Chris Yamsuf, it destroyed all these people. Right? Ad Echod, 
until one, right? Who is that one? So the Medrash says that Paroi did not die in the flood. He was allowed to live to witness who God really is. And since he lived to see this, the flood, uh, so therefore he was allowed to see this. <clears throat> but the main idea is that the ones who suffered really are the Egyptians. So what stops them from saying, well, what do you want from us? You know, we didn't do this. We didn't, you know, uh, it was Pari that didn't let him go. True. So what did God do to show and to bring out and to allow people who are evil to do their evil? He had the Jews go around Egypt gathering straw, you see. <clears throat> and the Chazal tell us that they would go into somebody's field in order to get the straw, right? And the people, the Egyptians, who, let's say, owned the field, they'd throw them out. They'd say, get out. They had no mercy whatsoever on the fact that the Jews had to gather straw in the middle of the night. So they were tremendously cruel to the Jews, you see. So what God demonstrated is that the Egyptians have the same desire to do evil to the Jews as Parai. And therefore what that did is it justified um, the plagues to destroy all Egypt. Because not only Paroi took tremendous satisfaction, right, in the suffering of the Jews, it was all the people of Egypt that took tremendous satisfaction in the suffering of the Jews. You see? Uh, so here's a case why God did that. Because he wanted to show that when he brought the plagues, the ten plagues on Egypt, it was fully justified, even though the ones that really suffered the greatest were the people of Egypt, you see? Uh, so that's a classic case of what? Of the people of Egypt suffering justly. And therefore, that is uh, what, what happened. And this, of course, happened toward the end, because God, of course, brought the plagues to destroy Egypt. This is the concept of Birur where God allows evil people to do the evil. He removes his blockage, and therefore they do the evil. And as a result of that, this justifies when God will punish them. Because he show, you see, the reason why they didn't do evil, right, isn't because they don't want to do evil, because I blocked them, you see. So I'm going to take away that impediment, right, and I will show you what they will do. So that concept of Biro happens as we approach an end. Very important. Because God now fully wants to justify that a great deal of evil is not committed not because the people don't want to do evil, because they're blocked and God prevents them from really carrying out their evil ideas. You see, <clears throat> and so on. You know, it's interesting you find very similar in Hallel, where it says, that the nations of the world, it says that the nations will praise God. Why? In Hallel it says that. Uh, because they realize how much God protected the Jewish people. That God's chesed, you know, was so great for the Jewish people where he prevented the goyim from doing evil. And therefore, the question is, well, why would they praise God? And the answer is because they know exactly 
the evil they wanted to do. And they were prevented many times. Who knows how many times God prevented Goyim from killing entire communities, right? And that's the chesed. So the Goyim can praise God, right, for his interactions, stopping them, because they know exactly the evil that they wanted to do. Except God prevented it, blocked it, you see? So what's interesting is a great deal of evil which could be done, is not done. Because that's the chesed of the Rebbeinu to protect the Jews. But that's only because God blocks it. But there comes times when God does not block the evil that Goyim want to do. You see, and then all of a sudden, you see all kinds of terrible things where Goyim are now allowed to fully do what they want to do. And what are the examples of that? Well, you go back in history... You see, you have the uh, Inquisition. You have the expulsions from countries, England, France, there's so many. Jews were kicked out of every country in Europe, you see. So you have the expulsions, right? You have the Crusades. You have the pogroms in Russia, right? You have the Holocaust. There's so many things. Could you imagine you live in Russia, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you know, the uh, Catholic priest comes out with a tirade against the Jews, and all of a sudden people get get get, bring, get their knives and pitchforks, and they're coming to kill the Jews. Could you imagine living in a country like that? But this happened periodically in Russia with the Tsar, you see, and the and the pogroms and so on. And this is what happened. So we see a great deal of evil happens. Because God did not prevent the evil. God doesn't put it in their mind to do evil. They want to do evil. Except many times he blocks them. You see. But there are times, and it's called an Idon Rizcha, a time of boiling, when Midas Hadin, the attribute of justice, is shoylate, dominates. And God says, oh, I'm going to take away my protection, my shield. Right? That prevents Jews from being harmed. And because they sin so excessively, I'm going to allow the Goyim to do what they want to do. And that's a very important concept. So in that sense, you actually have a bureau. You see, I mean, this happened classically, let's say, by the Black Plague, where they killed Jews left and right. Uh, because the Jews didn't get sick. Because the Jews are always washing their hands, going to the mikveh. They took baths because you have to take a bath, right? Uh, before you go into the, in, into the mikvah. So you're clean. You have hygiene. Whereas the Goyim never did that. They would take a, a, a bath once every three months, whether they needed it or not. Right? And therefore, of course, they were filthy. Right? Hygienically. And so on. So who knows how many Goyim killed Jews and they blamed the Jews for the Black Plague. So this is a very important concept that evil is allowed to do what it wants to do at specific periodic times in order to allow Goyim to identify with uh, themselves as really being tremendous evil. Uh, And then, of course, what God will do is he will crush them after the bearer. That's, in many ways, what happens, punishes them. You know, it's interesting, 
but this Sunday is 9-11, right? Uh, 21 years, a long time. So this Sunday is 9-11. What was, so what was interesting in there is that 9-11 in 2001, the Haftarah was Parshas Nitzavim. And there's a fascinating prophecy by Isaiah, Yeshayahu. And Isaiah says, very interesting to look at that Haftarah, that he sees God on a horse, right? And God is wearing war clothing, red. So Yeshayahu got very nervous because he thought that this means that there's going to be a tremendous slaughter of Jews because that symbolizes God in terms of his attribute of Midas Hadin, the attribute of justice. <clears throat> so God says, no, don't worry. This red is not because I want to do anything to the Jews. This red is the blood of Esau, you see, because I crushed Esau, and their blood splattered on me, on my clothing. So if anything, this indicates the din is going to turn to Esau. And this was the Haftarah of 9-11, which is interesting, you see. So this is what God says to Yeshayahu, you see. And God says, the, their blood, which I crushed them, splattered on my garments, right? That's why I look, I have red garments, right? It splattered on me, you see. And what that indicates, why it's splattered, is that this is, this is their blood, but it equals the amount of blood that they spill, you see. So I crush them to the amount of evil that they've done. And the evil that they've done is unbelievable amount of murder, you see. We can't even begin to know how many people were murdered, butchered, slaughtered by mankind, one against the other. And then you look at all the religions, you know, Islam, how many people they killed for what? Or Christianity. Christianity is very well known. You know, how many Jews were killed? Or even Goyim, by Christianity and so on. All for what? Uh, so God said, the blood that spilled on me, right, is really the blood that they spilled on others. You see, and I am now crushing them. That's what he said to Yeshayahu and so on. That's the punishment. But that punishment comes after a certain bearer. In other words, God allows a person to do his evil at times. Not always, like I said. He blocks it. But he allows that to happen, you see, so that they can fully identify as evildoers. You see, and then he goes and finishes them off. Now, when you really think about that, think about what's happening today. You know, what we are seeing today is something we've never really seen before. We've seen the woke communist, this community, the Democratic Party, the radical left. It's hard to believe the evil of these people. I mean, they are destroying America. You see, literally destroying America in so many different ways. Could you imagine how much pain they are causing people? You know, 
how much pain they are causing. It's incredible, you know. Um, when you look at many stories of uh, the Chazal, the Rabbonim, they were incredibly sensitive to the suffering of any Jew. They would take tremendous precautions of having a Jew suffer, you know. <clears throat> there was once a Rebbe that said, you know, what, I've, what I'm afraid of is the krechs of Yid, is this, the moan and the groan of a Jew. I'm afraid of that because I hope I didn't cause it. So could you imagine how sensitive is that issue <clears throat> for people who are righteous and spiritual? You don't see this type of incredible sensitivity. I mentioned, I think it was last week, whatever, 300 people die every day because of the influx of fentanyl that comes into the country. The Chinese make the fentanyl, that's where it's made. Then they ship it over to Mexico, right? And the Mexican cartel, they bring it into the United States. They sell it. There are tons of this, hundreds of tons of fentanyl coming to the U.S., and it kills 300 Americans every day. Could you imagine that? Where is the government? How does Biden allow this? And he's going crazy because of what happened in Texas, Uvalde. 21 people died. But he's not, he doesn't care about the murder that is happening in a country that he has sworn to uphold the Constitution. And where is the Congress? Where are they? How do they allow a president to violate the Constitution, the immigration laws? And how do they say nothing that 300 Americans die every day? What you are looking at is a bureau, you see. God is saying, I'm not going to prevent these people from doing their evil. Because we're coming to the end. And when I come down hard, when I crush Esau, I want everybody to understand why? Because of all the incredible murder that takes place in America. And America has become a killing nation between the abortions, right? That you can kill a kid right up to the moment of birth, right? Then all the drug addiction. <clears throat> and America could solve the problem. I once mentioned that, you know, just by declaring the people of the cartel to be terrorists. You can send in the army, kill them all. But they don't. Nobody cares, right? This is murder. What is happening? So God has removed the blockage, in a certain sense, where he has kept America clean, you see, and ethical and moral and so on. And he has removed that, his blockage. So all of a sudden, all of these people are doing evil, but unbelievable evil. Not only murder, right? But, uh, you know, they're, gonna weapon, they're weaponizing the Department of Justice. They're weaponizing the FBI. They're weaponizing the government. They're hiring 87,000 uh, IRS agents to do what? You know, they're there to weaponize they're going to afflict tremendous suffering on the middle class. Do you have any idea how much suffering this will cause people? 
That's besides the inflation, or that the middle class has to pay for gas, four dollars or five dollars a gallon, a gallon, whatever, and that they don't have adequate food supplies and so on. Right? For what? Because these, the government and Biden has decided to remove the independence of energy. For what purpose? To do what? To have uh, electric cars? They don't even have enough electricity to energize all the cars. That's what I heard. California is now restricting people from actually, you know, energizing, electrifying their cars. I mean, the whole thing is insane. It's irrational. Why? Because we are looking at a bureau. In the end of time, when God will come after, like it says in Yishayon Novi, you know, uh, that God is on a horse in red clothing, right? And God says, I'm coming to crush. This is the blood that is spurting from the body of Esau that I'm crushing. See? And why is it red? And God compares it to a wine press where people stepped on the grapes and the grapes spurt their wine. So God says, the wine is spurting on my clothing, right? Because that is the metaphor of the blood that is spurting for these people, you see. And that, in many ways, happens in the end. This is what happens in the end, that God will destroy them. But he's allowing them to do whatever they want to do, the incredible evil that they want to do. In fact, what's interesting is that there's a Zohar that says that God brings back all these evildoers to finish their job and to finish themselves off. And I always say it's interesting that Saddam Hussein, he maintained that he was a Gilgal, which is interesting, of Nebuchadnezzar. Right? I always found that interesting because Saddam Hussein is a Muslim. So if he wanted to take pride in who he was, what he should have said is, I'm an incarnation of Muhammad. Why would he pick to be the incarnation of an idol worshiper, Nebuchadnezzar? And the answer is, because that's probably who he was. He is a Gilgal, a returning uh, incarnation of, of Nebuchadnezzar. That's who he is. And that's what conforms to the Zohar. That in the end of time, God will bring back a lot of these people, you see, to do tremendous amounts of evil, to finish the job. And again, this is another concept, same idea. It's another concept of the, the evil, you see, where they can identify themselves as the evildoer, and therefore God will punish them. In any case, this is what we see, that there's a tremendous amount of evil that is done in the end of time. Because what God does, like I say, He's Mavarer, He clarifies who is evil and who is not, you see, because He wants to separate. These are the evildoers, and to prove it, I'm now going to remove my blockage, and they will do whatever, what they always want to do, which is evil. And the only reason why they didn't do it is because I prevented it, you see, like I said in, by Halel. But now I'm going to remove that, and guess what? They are going to do what they really are, and that is evil people. And this is what's happening today. And that is why we see 
there's an incredible amount of evil that is being perpetrated, right? Not only by people, China or Russia or North Korea or Iran or all the other dictatorships that have created enormous amount of human suffering. I mean, you just go through the world. You can't believe the amount of suffering that mankind goes through. Why? Most of it is because of incompetent people, evil people, corrupt. You see, that's why. Most of human suffering is because of other humans. You know, I always say, which is interesting, the greatest uh, beneficiality of a country is to have a king, not a democracy, but a beneficent king, a king who is wise, who really loves his country, his people, and who really has common sense and rules his people in an incredibly just way. That is the greatest gift God can give a country. <clears throat> it's interesting. Not a democracy. Because the problem with a democracy is most people have no concept of what's going on. In fact, the founding fathers of this country were always afraid of the tyranny of democracy. Yeah, with a majority which is democratic, they're people, because democracy means people rule, right? That the majority are evil. And it becomes what's called an oligarchy, uh, uh, which is a group of people that run the country. They were always afraid. That's why when they created the government, you know, they did it with tremendous wisdom. They have, you know, separation of, of the powers of the, you know, legislature, the executive branch, right, and the Justice Department. You know, there's a division here where one can prevent the other from taking over. So the greatest benefit that a country can have, right, is a king that is an absolute authority, but this king is incredibly good and wise and loves his country, you see, and has incredible amount of wisdom and common sense. You can't get better than that. And the greatest evil you could do to a country is to put a person, right, that is evil or that's only interested in himself and not in his people and creates enormous amount of sufferings to the, to the population of that country. And the world is filled with dictatorships. Filled with dictatorships. It's incredible. And they are responsible for most of human suffering, you see. But like I say, what's important is this concept of evil dominating, and there's no prevention of that, will come to fruition at the end of time. Why? Because God wants to separate people who are evil from people who are good. And he does that by allowing evil to dominate, to be successful, you see. And that's why in the 20th century you think about that. I mean, you know how much evil has been done? I mean, just think about World War I. How many people have died in World War II? How many people have died? In fact, I once read... 56 million people died because Hitler lived. Imagine 56 million people. So that's World War I and World War II. Then you have the whole concept of communism. How many people suffered at the hands of these crazies? 
right? The communists that want power, and that's what communism is all about, basically. Power, right? <clears throat> How many people have suffered in fear, in enormous poverty, terrible depression, and anxiety? For what? For so many years, from 1917 until what? Until 1991, which is the fall, or 1990, which is the fall of communism. I mean, it's hundreds of millions of people. And then you take a look at China. I mean, take a look at what goes on in China, how much suffering there is, and so on. So in many ways, this is happening because God wants to allow evil to fully dominate and therefore to expose itself as to what they really are. And just like in Egypt, when Midas Hadin, when justice will finally happen and God will say, enough is enough, then he's going to come like he did in Yeshayahu. He's going to come and crush with blood of what they cause splatters all over the garments of God. That's how bad it's going to be when the justice catches up with them. And what is so unbelievably tragic is they have no idea, the government of America or other countries, how much evil they are doing. I mean, America has now become the beacon, right, of LGBTQ and some other letters, whatever, right? <clears throat> Where they have made mankind unbelievably, right, immoral. And that will destroy the world, you see. So this is basically what's happening and why there's so much evil. It's all about a bearer to identify evil and then ultimately to wipe them out. <clears throat> and in a certain sense, you know, on a certain note of hope, you know, the Gemara Rosh Hashanah says, that in Tishrei we will have the redemption. He holds that the redemption will happen in Tishrei. And not only that, on Rosh Hashanah, Yosef HaTzadik was released from prison. So maybe that's the forerunner, that that's the end of the judgment against Mashiach Ben Yosef as a kapora for Klai Israel. And not only that, but it's also Mitzvah Shemitah, right? On Rosh Hashanah, Shemitah ends, technically, right? Then you have the beginning of the eighth year. So it says that Mashiach comes on Mitzvah Shemitah, you see. So maybe this Mitzvah Shemitah, Mashiach Ben Yosef. And then seven years from now, which is... 2029 or 30, which I mentioned the Zohar talks about, maybe the Mashiach ben David. Uh, you know, so it's very possible that we are right up against the Messianic era. And that is one of the reasons why we are seeing such incredible amount of evil successfully doing what they do. You see? Because God wants to clarify who is evil and who is not. So when the hammer comes down, it's going to come down on the right people and everybody will be able to see that. In a certain sense, it's tragic because these people, you know, <clears throat> these people who allow all this evil to happen, Biden and the House and so on and the Senate, they have no idea of what's going to hit them when Midas Hadim finally comes and is activated. In many ways, it's tragic 
what's going to happen to them. Because they have no idea that they are now involved in the ultimate bureau that they are allowed to exercise their evil ultimately to be destroyed. Any questions? Yes. Great. Okay. So my first question is, if Hashem knows our thoughts, then why is there a need for the exposure? That's a good question. The answer to that is that God doesn't need anything, really. Obviously, He knows everything down to its infinite detail. But what He always wants to do is justify what He does to people. You see, He could do whatever He wants based on His knowledge. He doesn't have to consult anybody. But in terms of showing people that everything that happens is deserved, then he justifies his actions as a God of incredible amount of justice. So he doesn't do it for himself. He does it for us. Why do you think by the Egyptians? Remember that? God, the Moshe says, you will see them today and never see them again. Why? He could have just drowned them all. You don't have to see their bodies because the Rebbe wants to show Klai Yisrael, don't worry, justice will be done. You will see their dead bodies. That's very important. It's very important for mankind to realize that in the end, justice triumphs. Very important, you see. And there is, not that there's a pleasure in people being killed, but there is a pleasure in knowing that God really is just. And everybody that is being destroyed deserves to be destroyed. It's very important to set the world right, that this is the ultimate plan of really everything that's happening. Same thing in Egypt. That's why he brought all the bodies up. All the Jews saw, you know, they all saw the dead bodies of the Egyptians. And then they began to sing Oziosir. Uh, you see? Because they realized it's not just that they were saved. That's certainly one reason. But they realized that whatever God does is just. You see? And they're able to see it because they, they see all those guys that afflicted them that they're dead. See? That's why. So all the injustice that we're seeing now is in order for Hashem to show us the justice in the future? Right. That's called the bureau. The clarification. <clears throat> That's what so, he did. Yeah, God. So you were saying how um, Hashem right now, he gives, he gives good and evil equal opportunity, right? Right. So is that why we're seeing such an influx in uh, Torah knowledge and all like books coming out of, of rabbis like that were hidden in previous generations or they weren't translated to English or, or all the Torah, uh, you know, that's learned on the internet and there's so much, you know, availability. Is that the good? Is well, yes, because we... opportunity of the good? I mean, we all know the equal opportunity of the evil. So what's the equal yeah. opportunity of the good? That as it gets darker, God has to make it easier to learn. <clears throat> you see. He has to make it easier to learn or else that's the end of Torah. So therefore... I mean, imagine we can sit and learn. We have a light, right? We have air conditioning. 
You know, we have a beautiful base medrash. You know, they didn't have this uh, 500 years ago. Uh, you know, what they do? They learn by uh, candlelight and so on. You see? So God does that because he has to make it easier as it gets darker and darker. You see? So he makes so, it more comfortable, but he doesn't make us more wiser. Uh, he doesn't. Right. That is the ultimate uh, redemption. And where we will become more wiser, not have more svarim. See, that's the, what's missing. You know, there's a thing called uh, Chochmah, uh, what it's called, Oitzah Chochmah. I think they have 120,000 volumes, which is astounding. That means anybody, right, he doesn't have a library, he can actually have a library of 120,000 books for him. You know, that would have cost him millions of dollars in the olden days, right? And now he's got it on a computer. You know what I'm saying? Fine. So we now have what's called access and availability of Svarim. But does that mean we know more? Of course not. That's the ultimate redemption, is the access, not just the access to books or Svarim, but you have to know more. And that has to be a revolution in consciousness, you see. And that's missing that ultimately will happen. The Jews will know their Torah. So that revolution in consciousness, that begins when, when Yosef is... Uh, right. When Yosef is released? Yeah, that's the turnaround. Something has to turn around. Right. So when you were saying how, I mean, we were hoping that because of Rosh Hashanah, Yosef... Uh, Hasadik was released from prison. Right. That hopefully Mashiach Ben Yosef will be released from his the klipa, um, right. and then the shmita and in Tishrei the Mashiach comes. Right. Okay. Great. But then you said something that, and then eight years later Mashiach Ben David um, could come. Right. Is there somewhere yeah, in that there's we need eight years for them to span in between or? Well, it's two shmitas. Because the Gemara says, Ain't been David Bo, except Mitzvah Shemitah, so that's now. So maybe it's referring to Ben Sheikh Ben Yosef, and then in another eight years, or seven years, whatever, which is what the Zohar says, right, that 210 years before the end, right, Mashiach will come, so maybe that's the next Shemitah. So the transition itself will have started. And you, you know, in 2022, Tov Gimel, you know, and the, the Ben David, so Ben Yosef will take seven years to clean up the mess, because his main job is to bring down the Beis Hamikdash and to wipe out the Goyim, or to enormously subdue them. That's the Hatzloch of Mashiach Ben Yosef, as I mentioned, Kani Reim the horns of the rain, and so on. And then that will take seven years. But that doesn't make a difference because that's messianic already. Once Mashiach ben Yosef is released, we're home. It's over. That's what it needs. It needs his release. And that's the beginning of the end, which I had mentioned is irrevocable and unstoppable. So that's what we're waiting for. 
when does he get out of prison? So, maybe. Maybe this was Shana. Who knows? Israel bombed uh, Aleppo Airport. Do you think that's Mashiach Ben Yosef starting? Who? What was that? He, she said no. that Israel bombed Aleppo Airport. Do you think that's like uh, the beginning of the Mashiach starting? When did they bomb Aleppo? Today? Like a, a couple of hours ago. A couple of hours ago. No. No, that's not what it is. That's a, you know, that's a political war. The war of Mashiach ben Yosef fundamentally is a war of ignorance against ignorance. That's really the problem. Mankind is ignorant of God. You know. Hey, Rabbi, you heard the scandal with the Glockhosher Chinese restaurant in Manalapan that was serving Tres? No, not at all. What was this? What do you do now if I ate there? Wow. There was a culture Who, what, what, Really? I, and, and everybody from Lakewood there. Everybody what? From Lakewood. It's a kosher Chinese restaurant in Manalapan. Very yeah. famous. And it just came out that he was serving Tadef meat. Wasn't there a hajgoha? Yeah, I don't understand. What? Yes, it was glad kosher. Yes. So, so what know. happened? How, how did he arrive? How did he elude them? They, they caught him buying not kosher food, uh, and he claimed it was for his other restaurants, but it wow. looks like it wasn't. Uh, Rabbi said we have video, and if you bought me anything from there within the past six months, kosher utensils. Wow, what a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this happens every once in a while. It happened a couple of years ago in Muncie. She wants to whatever. What should, what, what should someone do if they did eat there? Because she ate there over the summer not knowing. Well, it's a shoigeg. I mean, you know, they didn't know. Shoigeg, so you do chuba. How? You know, be careful. Yeah, it is. Wow. I'm not, I'm not aware of this either. Wow. And also they order from there to bring into the shul. Exactly. That's what happened in Muncie. Yeah, people used to have the food for bris for everything, you know. Exactly. Wow. That's what it is. What can you... So know what to say. So of course. Rabbi, back, back to um, anyway. Mashiach and Yosef. My, my, my question is... Could you remind me again, what exactly is his job? Because just to, so I understand, because if he needs seven years, I'm just curious as to what in those seven years he needs to accomplish. I know that the Beit HaMikdash has to come down, but what else? Really? Well, a lot of what he does is he contends with Goyim. He contends with Goyim. You know, that's what he does. Um, and uh, that's that's what takes time. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna be he's gonna be in the news. Uh, de- de- definitely. Look, he's a person that slowly gets known. You know, slowly, and he becomes more and more famous. 
You say it doesn't take much for God to make him famous. And he's like discovered. And then he just proceeds and grows because he himself has to come out of the creeper. You know what I'm saying? But you look to educate 15 million Jews takes time. You know? Takes time. So, Rabbi, when when the um, when you were explaining about how Hashem removes the blocks, yeah, the, the blocks of the evil. So, yeah. are the laws like we like we started? We the laws are removed in America. So, are, were the laws used as blocks, and now they're removed from the evil? I didn't get the question. What was the question? So our, our laws, the Constitution, everything's like removed. So was Hashem using the laws and the Constitution, everything was blocking the evil from being evil? Yeah, so God has removed his block. And he's allowing evil to do its thing. You know, and that's exactly what's happening. The Congress, the Senate, the House, the President, the White House... They're all engaging in tremendous amount of evil and, and human suffering. And the immorality is unbelievable. I mean, look at the Supreme Court. What they have done, they have destroyed the morality of the United States. You see, <clears throat> and uh, God has allowed evil. I mean, one of the ways which is interesting how God has removed the block is he removed Trump. Because Trump was a big block on evil. He didn't prevent it all, but he certainly blocked a lot of it. And God removed him and put, and put in somebody who was an incredibly evil person, you know, Joe Biden. And the amazing thing is nobody does anything. Nancy Pelosi, it's just terrible what they do. They just sit back and do nothing. Well, this person destroys America creates enormous human suffering you know so rabbi so if the mashiach and yosef does get um released from its creeper god willing yeah does then that even battlefield uh like meaning good and evil right now has equal opportunity but once mashiach and yosef gets released does evil have a less of an opportunity like does it you know, slowly diminish. Yeah, well, that's the beginning, right. That's the beginning of the end of the uh, domination of evil. That's how it slowly begins to die. So then we should soon see, like, let's say, I'm giving, a, you know, like a silly example, but like, let's say Lee Zeldin, who's a Republican running for governor of New York, you'll see him win. And then, like, little by little, like, you'll start seeing it flip towards um, the good. Like yeah. That? Is that yeah. What we're in fact, for? you could even say, because these are very evil people, uh, Kathy Hochul, you know, either they're evil or they're completely incompetent. And uh, if Hochul wins, that's very bad news. Very bad news. It means that uh, God wants to take out New York. That's what he's doing. I mentioned that, uh, was that last week or the week before, the concept of Tversonoise. America is losing its Tversonoise. The cities are terrible in terms of crime. I mean, Philadelphia, I heard that 15 people were murdered in Philadelphia over the, over the Labor Day weekend. 
Could you imagine what is going on in that city? Nobody cares. And Chicago and Missouri, it's just incredible when you hear the murder rate and the assault and the robbery and the rape. It's just beyond belief what's going on. And nobody cares. It just, it's, it's hard to believe that this is America. You see, so the Tferis and Oiz is leaving America. That's what's happening. So that's very bad. If Hoka wins, uh, it's already very bad because Eric Adams, who's an absolute incompetent, has no concept of what to do. He's too busy partying at night. He's into the glamour and the glitz. <clears throat> but if Hoka wins, and not Zeldin, that's a very bad sign for New York. Very bad. You never know. You know, what, what's going to happen, and so on. Look, that's the problem with democracy. I once mentioned that. <clears throat> democracy is really a very poor form of government. The problem is it seems to be better than the other crazy dictatorships, you know, and the other communism and other forms of, of government. But it, it, it in of itself is very poor because most people are not competent to run a government. And the, 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 the democracy, most people are too busy trying to earn a living. They don't know what's going on. You know, they don't have time to check out these guys, you know, what, what, what they're doing and so on. And the problem is the media used to be the watchdog, the guardians, you know. And today they are the propaganda arm of the Democratic Party. That's what they've become. You know, we can't believe how evil the media has become. Incredibly evil, you see. <clears throat> so that's what's happening. America is losing its Ferris and noise, you see. And, um, yeah, so we don't know how far it's going to go. But um, hopefully, you know, Trump okay, will return. Okay, so let's say Mashiach Ben Yosef does get released. How will we know? You won't know. He will know, and he will begin to be successful in his desire to raise spirituality and ruchnius. Uh, he will be successful. So we won't feel anything? You may. You may feel something, yeah, because it's a tremendous um, um, moment in the Bria that all of a sudden the redemption begins. I mean, the Bria, the creation has been waiting for that for 5,783 years. But you won't necessarily know because it just means that, you know, it's, there's a turnaround. Eventually you will know, you know. Eventually you will know. But not initially. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean, when he was by the snare, nobody knew. You know, he had to come to Egypt for people to begin to find out, you know, who he was and so on. Takes time. Because evil has to have its due. You know, people do, not re re people do not realize the necessity of evil. Like I said, to provide merit and the necessity of being fair, that evil has to be equal to good in its availability and its access in order 
for a person to truly deserve the future world. You see, so in a certain sense, it's com- it's complex. It's not simple. You know, it's not simple. Um, and you once said, um, if I remember correctly, you said that um, Mashiach Ben Yosef, he, he, he's in Edom, like he comes from Edom? Yes. He's living in Edom, <clears throat> living in the yeah, Mashiach ben, Yeah, you see that from the Gemara, that the Mashiach is uh, He's at the gates of Rome. And the gates of Rome is, uh, is New York. Or whatever, you know, it's, it's New York. And uh, he's from Pischei Romi, because that's the uh, nation that he will overthrow. We might call it last week, and the Moshiim, plural, will arise from the mountain of Zion to judge Esau. <coughs> you see, so he will be, yeah, he's, in fact, you see that from the other Midrashim. Sheikh is born in America. He's not born in Israel, although eventually he will go to Israel. You see that clearly in the, uh, what's called the Perkei de Rebeliezer. You know, it says that he will watch as uh, Yishmuel and Esau fight, then he will go to Israel. It says that clearly. So he's an American. What can I tell you? So if he's living in New York, more likely for us to feel that shift if there is one, if he's closer to More likely to feel what? More likely for us to feel a shift if there is one because he's closer to us, no? I I didn't hear that word. More likely to feel what? The shift. Like the shift shift. if he he gets removed. Probably, yes, because when the transition starts it will probably undoubtedly start in America. You know. Same thing with uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. You know, he was born, he lived in Egypt, he lived in the palace of Parai. You know, so when he was uh, in a much higher level, Ruchnius, you could see that, you know, in Egypt. Not in the, you saw that when he was young, 26 years old, and not when he was 80, you know. So that that is probably true. 